0: Listeners, and welcome to Counter Melody. It is I, your host, Daniel Guntlach, And as always, I'm committed to bringing you the voices of beloved singers often focusing on unexpected facets of their artistry. You'll also be hearing less celebrated, but equally treasurable artists who deserve our attention and respect. I'm honored to have you join me on this ongoing mutual journey of discovery. And now, without any further ado, let's get down to today's business. Great singers and great singing. people have I got a treat for you today. This is an extra episode featuring the extraordinary soprano, Margaret Tynes. recording with the Budapest Philharmonic Society from 1962 that Margaret Tynes was and is very much her own kind of artist. As I prepared this episode, I was very lucky to be able to solicit input from Nichelle Gaynor, who runs what I would call the franchise Vintage Black Glamour. She's published some amazing books which feature interesting insights as well as fantastic photos, and she is the niece of Margaret Tynes. Margaret Tynes was born on September 11, 1919, in Saluda, Virginia, to the Reverend Joseph W. Tynes and his wife, Lucy Rich Tynes. Her father held a divinity degree from Virginia Union University. And it's worth considering that at this time, very few black men were able to obtain even a high school education. He later served as the vice president of the Virginia Theological Seminary and College. Margaret attended the North Carolina A&T State University, obtaining her B.A. there in 1939. From there, she went to Columbia University, where she received her master's in 1944. While she was still in school, she appeared off-Broadway with Harry Belafonte in a show he produced called Sing Man Sing. I wish we had some sound documentation of that, but unfortunately we don't. What we are very lucky to have, however, is a recording that she made in 1956 with Duke Ellington of a jazz suite called A Drum is a Woman. This was later turned into a television special in which she also appeared. This is the opening of that suite in which her voice is featured. Nichelle posted an amusing anecdote from her aunt, Margaret Tynes, about how she came to be engaged for this particular project. This is a quote from Margaret Tynes. Normally, I was in bed by 10, but one night at about 3.30 in the morning, I pick up the telephone and I hear, Margaret Tynes, this is Duke Ellington. I answer, yes, and I'm the President of the United States, and hung up. Then he calls right back and says, don't hang up. This is the big brother of Ruth Ellington, one of your best friends. And that's when I knew, because she had gone to school... With Ruth Ellington, and he was calling to inquire if she would be interested in collaborating with him on his A Drum Is a Woman project. Uh. I think it's quite clear already from the excerpts that I featured that she did her own thing. She let herself be guided by very strong vocal and artistic ideas. As proof of that, I'm going to offer her recording of Summertime. She recorded two different versions of excerpts from Porgy and Bess, one in 1955. And one in 1960. This is from the later of those two recordings. I promise you, you have never heard Summertime sung exactly the way that she does it. Five years earlier, here's a recording of the I Love You Porgy portion of the score. Here Margaret Tynes is joined by the actor and singer Brock Peters. Brock Peters is also featured in the film of Porgy and Bess, directed by Otto Preminger, and starring Sidney Poitier and Dorothy Dandridge. But in that film he appears as Crown here. He sings a wonderful Porgy, and I think that, in spite of the poor quality of the recording itself, this is one of the finest versions of this duet that I know. sake of historical interest, here's an excerpt from the later 1960 recording in which Margaret Tynes and Laverne Hutcherson sing the duet, Bess You Is My Woman Now, along with Leslie Scott and Irving Barnes. Laverne Hutcherson was one of three baritones who toured a production of Porgy and Bess in the late 1950s. That was an offshoot of the State Department-sponsored tour of Porgy, which initially starred Leontine Price and William Warfield, that we heard a portion of in the William Warfield episode. In the next episode, I'm going to feature Leslie Scott. But here but here are Laverne Hutcherson and Margaret Tynes singing a portion of the best You Is My Woman Now duet. According to Nichelle, Margaret Tynes toured concert performances of Porgy and Bess with Laverne Hutcherson in the Catskills in the 1950s. Much of Margaret Tyne's career was based in Europe. She was particularly popular in Hungary and appeared in many different performances of Aida, Carmen and Zalome, and also made three of her most significant recordings on the Qualiton label. One of those A 1962 operatic recital is particularly valuable because it offers her very distinctive interpretations of three of her most important roles. I mentioned that she had a unique artistic thumbprint in everything that she undertook. I think that's nowhere more apparent than in this excerpt from Aida's first scena ritorna vincitor this is the section beginning l'insana parola margaret times's interpretation is so blazing that it positively leaps out of the grooves at you i find it really thrilling Lest it be thought that she did not, however, have a commensurate technical accomplishment, listen to the way that she negotiates the high C in the O Patria Mia aria that's also included in this recording. Another one of Margaret Tynes' signature roles was Carmen. People sometimes forget that in the early years of this opera, Carmen was more often interpreted by sopranos than by mezzo-sopranos. Margaret Tynes has a distinctive way of handling her low range. This recording appears to be from a live performance. It's of the card scene Because it uses a concert ending, I'm assuming it was not part of a complete performance of the opera. At any rate, listen to the unique touch that she brings to this performance. In 1968, Margaret Tynes was again in Hungary and recorded, perhaps surprisingly, Pergolesi's Stabat Mater. The conductor Massimo Bruni, of whom I know absolutely nothing, conducted the Prague Chamber Orchestra. This is the first soprano aria, Cuius Animam Gementem, and you hear the cool, clean, clear way that she approaches this repertoire. Very enjoyable performance. Of course, the Pergolesi Stabat Mater is for soprano solo and alto solo. The alto here was someone named Anita Turner Butler, of whom I know literally nothing, except that this appears to be her only recording. I don't know her nationality. I don't know anything about her. I don't think she's all that distinguished a singer, but she makes an adequate partner for Margaret Tynes. This is a short portion of the O duet that is one of the later movements. beginning of the episode of Every Time I Feel the Spirit was one side of the 45 that Margaret Tynes recorded again in Hungary, which was called Margaret E. Tynes Sings Negro Spirituals. The flip side of that 45 are not spirituals at all, but two traditional Creole songs. I'm going to play you truncated versions of both of those. The first is referred to on the disc as Creole Nursery Song or Danse Konikoné. Creole song is referred to as Creole lullaby or Faye Dodo. episode where I always take a little commercial break, if you will. I do have a Patreon page where you can make monthly contributions to help me continue to be able to put out these episodes. For the month of February, I took down the paywall surrounding the bonus episodes so that everyone could learn about, listen to and enjoy the artistry of every singer that I featured in my Black History Month series. If you're inspired, to contribute, please go to Patreon.com/CounterMelody and make a monthly contribution of anywhere from two dollars on up, and you will gain access to all of the bonus material that I post. I generally do two to three bonus episodes a month, so thank you all for your support. And now let's return to Margaret Tynes. <music> Margaret Tynes's most important roles, I would say, were Zalome and Lady Macbeth. In 1961, she caused a sensation at the Spoleto Festival when she appeared in the title role of Salome in a production directed by Luchino Visconti, the most famous director-collaborator of Maria Callas at La Scala in the 50s. Margaret Tynes's Zalome was referred to in the press as the most sexy Salome since Liuba Velec, I don't think I have played any Velich yet on the podcast. At any rate, Margaret Tynes is a fantastic Zalome. The voice is on the slender side for this part, but she has, if you haven't noticed, a phenomenal top. It certainly serves her well in this part. There's not all that much visual documentation of her as Zalome and more is the pity because it bears noting here that Margaret Tynes is and was a stunning, beautiful woman, and when I say is, as of the date that I am recording this, Margaret Tynes is still with us at the age of 101. I have three different excerpts from Salome to play for you. The first is right after she concludes her dance for Herod. The conductor here is Thomas Shippers, and who sings in this performance opposite her but George Shirley and Lily Chukasian, All three of these artists had significant careers at the Metropolitan Opera. George Shirley was the first African-American tenor to perform at the Met. Just on a personal note, as I had stated in an earlier podcast episode that Leontine Price was my gateway singer to the world of opera, so too in his own way was George Shirley. When I was a kid, I was fascinated by the Pierre Boulez recording of Peleas et Melisande from Covent Garden, in which he sings the role of Peleas. Yes, I was a weird kid, 10 years old, and Peleas was my favorite opera, and it still is. George Shirley is the ideal Peleas. I still hear his voice when I'm replaying parts of that opera. In my head, what's fascinating here is that George Shirley is singing the dramatic tenor role of Herod, Herodes, which is, one would think, heavy for George Shirley. But he handles it fantastically, as you hear in this extended sequence where Zalome demands that, as a reward for her dancing, she be given the head of John the Baptist. Herod is terrified at this prospect and does everything he can to cajole Zalome to accept a different gift, whether that be his emeralds, his collection of more than a hundred white peacocks, or half of his kingdom. She wants none of those. She wants the head of Johanna. Her mother, Herodias, is sung by Lily Chukasian, who was a fantastic contralto slash mezzo-soprano. Thomas Shippers, of course, was the incredibly handsome conductor who was... Let's call him a <clears throat>, protege of Giancarlo Menotti, who, of course, ran the Spoleto Festival. He's also a very dynamic and capable conductor, as you'll hear. The artists with whom Margaret Tynes collaborated here, George Shirley, Thomas Shippers, Lily Chukasian, all had very significant careers at the Metropolitan Opera. And yet, Margaret Tynes only appeared at the Met in three performances at the first revival of Janáček's Yenufá in 50 years. In late 1974, Margaret Tynes starred in those performances opposite John Vickers, Chandra Konya, Astrid Varnai, and John Reardon. What an extraordinary lineup of artists. By this point in her career, Margaret Tynes had married Hans von Klier, a Czech-born architect and, yes, a baron, I don't know the exact story surrounding her appearance at the Met, but at that point, she would have already been in her mid-50s. According to Nichelle, however, Margaret Tynes continued to sing until she was 75 years old.
1: Eine süße Schüssel, sie ist breit nicht. Was ist, dass du in eine süße Schüssel haben möchtest? süßer, schöner, schöner ist als alle Töchter Judäas. was wollen sie? There is my heart, my heart, and and habe ein i will ein child, I'm
0: I have two examples from the final scene, which, of course, Zalome sings to the severed head of Johanna An. The first portion that I'm going to play for you is from that 1962 operatic recital recording. The conductor, someone named Pal Varga, is a rather dull conductor, but she is in phenomenal voice here, and you get to hear just how her voice soars over the orchestral texture this portion begins with Salome taunting Johanna Ann because she's still alive and he's dead and then she proceeds to sing about how beautiful he was and how when she looked upon him she heard the strangest music. i also want to play the very end of the opera to you where she says if only you had looked at me i know you would have loved me for the secret of love is greater than the secret of death and with those words das geheimnis des todes strauss writes a vocal line that descends into the absolute lowest reaches of the soprano's range following a short exchange between Herod and Herodias Herod orders the lights on all of the torches extinguished and the moon momentarily disappears behind a cloud when it reemerges Salome is in ecstasy having kissed the dead mouth of Johannaan, and Herod, in horror, orders his soldiers to crush her to death beneath their shields. is one in a million. I'm so pleased to have been able to share her with you today. Many thanks to Nichelle Gaynor of Vintage Black Glamour for having generously answered a number of questions about her aunt. Thanks to you, too, my listeners, for having joined me on this exploration of the life and career of Margaret Tynes. Now we're going to close the episode with an excerpt from her portrayal of Lady Macbeth. Margaret Tynes first appeared as Lady Macbeth in Lausanne, Switzerland, in 1961, and the following year recorded two of the big arias on that Qualiton recital. I'm going to offer an excerpt from the sleepwalking scene, or the Gran Scena del Sonambulismo, When I interviewed Ira Sif, a.k.a. Madame Vera Galupe Borsch, for my Gay Pride episode last summer, Ira mentioned that the opera company La Gran Cena got its name from this very recording of Margaret Tynes going way out on a limb with her portrayal of Lady Macbeth. As it's referred to as the Gran Cena del Sonnambulismo, so it also served as the inspiration for the name of that fantastic drag opera company with which I was privileged to be associated for a couple of years. So that's a pretty tenuous connection to Margaret Tynes, but there you have it. Please listen to the fearless way that she uses the widest range of vocal colors here, and at the very end caps her performance with an extraordinary D-flat. I hope you will join me this coming Sunday for the final episode in this year's Black History Month series. But rest assured that I will be bringing you the greatest singers of all genres and all races with every forthcoming episode of Counter Melody. Until then, my dear friends, keep the song in your hearts. Und Daniel Kundlach.